catching him at the exact right time was when I was switching my my approach to a more um, 360 degree holistic approach for a coach. I I started investing more into developing people and the characteristics of a champion than I did the work capacity and the skills and drills of a of a champion. Not that those aren't important, because I don't care how mentally tough you are and how dedicated and how um, how strong-willed you are, that person will not beat somebody that's more talented. But if you take somebody that has incredible talent and you put the right personal characteristics to that person, now we're starting to develop the, the approach of a champion. This is episode number 56 with Katrin David's daughter and her coach, Ben Bergeron. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I had the chance to sit down with two-time fittest woman on earth, Katrin David's daughter, as well as her coach, owner of CrossFit New England, Ben Bergeron. We caught up a couple of weeks ago while we were all at the Power Monkey Fitness Camp in Tennessee. These two have been working closely together now for over three years, and it's been really amazing to watch them develop together as athlete and coach. I think there's a lot we can all learn from both of them, so I was really excited to have them on the podcast. First, a little bit of background about each of them. Katrin is the reigning two-time Reebok CrossFit Games champion in 2015 and 2016. She's from Reykjavik, Iceland, and she made her Games debut in 2012 at the age of 19. Her story is punctuated by a setback in 2014 when she failed to qualify for the Games, an experience which she now credits for her success as one of only two women ever to win back-to-back Games titles. Ben Bergeron is the owner of CrossFit New England, and he's coached numerous CrossFit Games athletes, including champions in five different categories. He publishes programming for competitors through CompTrain, which is followed by thousands of athletes around the world, and he's well-recognized in the CrossFit community for sharing his best practices for affiliate excellence. In this episode, we talked about everything from how Katrin and Ben each got their start in CrossFit to Katrin's infamous 2014 regional rope climb event, what led them to start working together, their unique approach to things like balance, happiness, and discipline, and just what makes their coach-athlete relationship thrive. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. To check out my online training programs through Beyond the Whiteboard, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com forward slash juliefouché. Finally, please remember that although I am just days away from graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 56 of Pursuing Health featuring Katrin David's daughter and Ben Bergeron. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I am super excited to be here with the dynamic duo of (laughs) Katrin Davis daughter and Ben Bergeron and we're here at Power Monkey Camp. So thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. 
Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, I want to start off with each of your stories about how you got into CrossFit. <laughs> so maybe we'll start with Ben. Did you always know that you wanted to be in fitness or be a coach? And what were you doing before and what kind of led you into CrossFit? I did not know I wanted to be in fitness. Uh, I started off, um, I went to school for business. After school, did kind of the year off thing and Mm -hmm. became a ski bum. Did nothing. Kind of just like enjoyed myself. Sounds amazing. Came back (laughs) and then, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Came back and then I got a job in business, in finance, working, you know, in the high rises and um, in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a couple of years until... One morning, I had this, like everybody did that one morning, September 11th. Okay. My world was rocked. I, I, I didn't know anybody that was killed in 9-11, mm-hmm. um, but for some reason, it incredibly hit home mm-hmm. to the point where I, I realized I didn't want to be pushing mm-hmm. papers around or living the kind of like in front of a computer for my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I moved out and became a ski bum again, kind of reevaluated my life, mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to either become a firefighter a join the military mm-hmm. um, but I eventually settled on becoming a trainer because I thought it was some way to give back and help heal a lot you know improve lives okay and then uh did the personal training thing in the global gym became a strength and conditioning coach and during that time kind of got in triathlons and then found like everyone back in the mid-2000s found CrossFit very organically mm-hmm. uh, found it through the internet did it myself did it with my clients did it with my athletes and just saw the crazy I got fitter in three months doing CrossFit than I did doing three years of Ironman training. Wow. I was like, that that part of my life's done. Yeah, this stuff works. (laughs) I'm in. That's amazing. And what time period was that? 2006-ish. Yep. Okay, so pretty early on. And Katrin, what about you? How did you find – I know you were a gymnast, but Mm -hmm. maybe tell us a little more about your background and how you found CrossFit. Yeah, so I was a gymnast from 6 to 16. And – I was never, like, the best gymnast. Mm-hmm. I always worked very, very hard, and I loved, like, the conditioning side of things. I was always <laughs> the one begging for, like, can we have a conditioning day? And all the girls would be like, Katrin, no. like, <laughs> no. Teacher, you forgot to assign yeah. homework. Yeah, like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was me. Um, so at 16, um, I just kind of, like, had enough of gymnastics. felt like I wasn't improving. Like, I, wanted, I had, like, an injury that year. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to try something new. Um, so I tried out track and again, like I loved, like I loved, we have like, it was called like build-up seasons and then competition season. It'll Mm -hmm. be like two build-up season, two come like indoor and outdoor. Okay. And I love the build-up season because (laughs) it's just like endless conditionings and running intervals. (laughs) And I love that. And then it was competition season and all we did was compete. Like we'd rest the whole week Mm -hmm. and then compete at weekends. And I felt like I was doing nothing and probably because I didn't have an event. Like I didn't have something that I'd worked so hard towards to compete in. So I was like, okay. What kind of events did you run in track? Um, I literally didn't have an event. Like I just try and compete in everything. I'd competed in 60. I tried 200. Mm-hmm. I tried, um, long jump. <laughs> Not very good at <laughs> Um, so like if I would have won, if I would have settled on any, anything, I probably would have picked the heptathlon. Okay. Um, but my, like with my build, everyone wanted to pull me into like the shop put or this or that. And I wasn't, I wasn't want to, I didn't want to go there. So <laughs> I was kind of like spent that summer. This is um, kind of like the summer of 2011 where I was like, okay, I didn't want to go back to gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back to track. Um, and I really just, it was probably the only summer since ev- since forever that I wasn't training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually the summer that Annie won the games. Okay. So that was all over the news, all over the media in Iceland. 
Um, and I just remember it, she was on the news and my mom and my grandma are like, so I don't know. Why don't you, why don't you try that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, remember I called the gym that she was at mm -hmm. and I went and I tried out boot camp. and I remember I signed up for, um, the elementary class and they had like just started, they were like a week and I was like, please let me join. <laughs> um, and actually, so I did like three weeks of elementary and I actually hated it. Because we did nothing, <laughs> but boot camp we were like so sweating like for an hour. Body weight yeah, stuff. Um, but once I started like real CrossFit mm -hmm. and we were like doing classes and um, actually got to like do the workouts, so I was like, okay, I love this. That's um, so awesome. Yeah, so that was like um, August, September of 2011. Wow, very <laughs> cool. And then, then so you're all in on CrossFit. You're using it to train your clients. At what point did you then decide, okay, I'm going to open up an affiliate? And then after that, when did you start to think about coaching competitive athletes? Mm -hmm. So it was about two years of doing it kind of a part-time. Mm -hmm. We kind of did like a boot camp scenario. Okay. Um, I was a strength and conditioning coach at a local high school, mm -hmm. or like a, a prep school, like um, private school mm -hmm. in New England. And when the kids would go to school, the gym was sitting there unused. So I used to have the parents, after they dropped the kids off, come in. I would uh -huh. train the parents. So it was very much a part-time thing. And I was a strength and conditioning coach in the afternoon. After about two years of doing that, the writing was on the wall that, like, this is a great opportunity to do something. Mm -hmm. um, that's when we opened up our gym where um, where we are now okay. in CrossFit New England, and that was 2009. Wow. 2009, we competed as a team uh, for the first time, and my wife, Heather, competed as an individual at the CrossFit Games. Mm -hmm. and we Which I remember because she was one of the women that I watched oh, that year, cool. my first summer when I started. Um, so we went there not really knowing what we were doing, kind of yeah. like everyone back in the day. And But we loved it. Mm -hmm. We thought it was amazing, um, something that I was looking forward to for th uh, the previous two years, having watched the CrossFit Games. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next year it moved to what was then the Home Depot Center or mm -hmm. the StubHub Center, yeah. whichever it was then. And whichever Home Depot, was, I think, yeah. first, yeah. Um, and that's when the it was this big leapfrog for the sport. Mm -hmm. You know, we went from this backyard ranch to, like, a stadium setup, mm -hmm. and we saw some pretty good success that year. Um Heather did really well, finished just not far behind you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That year, uh, we had a master athlete win the Masters, and we uh, did very well as a team. Mm -hmm. I competed on the team, um, and then I did that for another year or two, um, and then I pulled myself off of the team, mm -hmm. and that's when I really flipped from, like, athlete to coach. Okay. Um, I, I thrived better in the coaching environment than I did in the, uh, the competition mm -hmm. on the floor environment, mm -hmm. and it's uh, – um, it also allowed me to – I, I was wearing too many hats. Yeah. I was becoming uh, a young dad. I was had a, a growing business. As an athlete and a coach, that's four things to kind of, like, invest into. Yeah. Uh, so I, I picked three. Okay. And the, the, the athlete side fell by the wayside. Okay. And what do you love about working with – obviously, you still love your affiliate and working with mm -hmm. the everyday person, helping them get healthier. But what do you love also about coaching elite athletes? I like I like trying to be the best in the world at things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really what it is. It's excellence, I mean, right? It's, I really, it's yeah. excellence. I want to try and, you know, I want to try and be the best dad I possibly can be. Mm -hmm. I want to be the best business owner I possibly can be. Mm -hmm. And if I'm coaching an athlete, I want to I want to be the best I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about sport, I was actually reading about this recently. The cool thing about sport, you know, parents are always like, why should we put our kid in sports? We could put in music mm -hmm. or drama or anything else. The cool thing about sport is unlike almost anything else, there's a score. 
mm-hmm. you know how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. They actually say at the end, like, you won, you're better at doing this than other people. Yeah. And as strange as that competition is, um, and it's something I didn't thrive on as an athlete, it's something I completely thrived on as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I do thrive on as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are scores for dads, it's something I would thrive <laughs> on for that. <laughs> But it's, uh, ever. <laughs> I, I do, I want to try to, um, that's what I aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a long ways to go, but it's where I'm really, it's, it's something I want to be, mm-hmm. um, a part of is try to be the best at something. And it's, uh, that's a completely motivating and completely measurable mm-hmm. thing for me. Um, you know, I've never wanted to be the biggest gym in the world. Mm-hmm. I've never wanted to have the biggest family in the world. Mm-hmm. I've never wanted to have the most athletes to coach. I just want to try and do what I do as well as I can. That's amazing. And interesting, too, that you said you're in the same gym where you started, mm-hmm. which there's so many affiliates who have started, you know, more recently than 2009 that are already moving into bigger spaces and growing yeah. really big. So that was that's interesting to hear that you are really fo- – you don't want to have the biggest gym, but you want to have the best experience there for your members. Yeah, our goal has never been to um, to get to 500 members. Mm-hmm. Um and it's actually something we just talked about with our, our affiliate and our membership. We let them know that. Mm-hmm. We said we told them our goal is not to get more people in here. Mm-hmm. We're really happy with the people we have. We're trying to be um, more like a private school, but more like a, a private school than a public school. Mm-hmm. Public schools is just like, let's make it huge, let's make yeah. it big, and people can kind of fall through the cracks. What we're trying to say is like, we don't care if another person walks in. We want to give each one of you guys something more. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we haven't moved into another facility is um, it's the loyalty to the members we have. They've said, like, hey, I, I will come here. Mm-hmm. And if we pick up and move, we're kind of like breaking a promise that, you know, we said we would be here for you. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving somewhere else. And I haven't been able to, you know, kind of pick up and move mm-hmm. on some of them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, back to Katrin. <laughs> so you're getting ready or you're starting CrossFit. You have this amazing role model and Annie are seeing her mm-hmm. on the news. So was competition something that you always wanted to do or was it just about finding a new hobby or a new Um I don't think exercise? I've ever done anything as a hobby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I was three weeks in a CrossFit uh-huh. when I remember um coming home and um I remember telling my mom, I was like I think it was regionals. Mm-hmm. I was like I was like, Mom, I wanna make it to regionals and she's like Okay. <laughs> and I think it was about, um, it was like December, January, when I remember that goal shifted to, I want to make to the games. Um, that was a couple months into CrossFit. So wow. it was always, I was going in, I want to do what I needed. I wanted to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just something that I was born with. I Anything was a competition for me when I was a kid, whether it was, I was, I was so annoying. I'd be <laughs> around, like, we're racing to the next samples. Like, say, three, two, one, go. What <laughs> have my dad run? Or um, when I was with my friends, we'd, like, make up all these um, in, like, recess periods. we like, make up, like, okay, you got to run up that slide, run down. You got to do three swings there. Like, everything was a competition. If no one wanted to play, I'd pick up a timer, you know. <laughs> um, so everything's was always that way with me. So mm-hmm. I started it, and and – yeah, I was into it for a competition. And it was interesting to hear you talk about last night how that's part of your culture in Iceland. We were mm-hmm. trying to f- figure out what your secret <laughs> is over there. But I didn't realize that it that it was so 
great for gender equality and that you had such amazing role models there Mm -hmm. as women. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I think it was 1980. We Mm -hmm. had the first female president in the world. Wow. Um, And I mean, we have Annie and we have such great female athletes coming Mm -hmm. out of Iceland that are strong in their sports. Um, And I think that's just all. I know both me and Annie and like we're just raised to believe that we can do whatever we want to. There isn't a barrier on us because we're girls. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, I remember when I was in school, I think it was like the first time, probably in sixth or seventh grade, I remember we had to do this running test. The, I think it's like the beep test. Like it's like, like welcome to level three. Like, <laughs> you just run forever. Um, and I remember I had to finish. I would always compete with the boys. Like when we were mm-hmm. swimming, like I'd compete with them. And it was probably around that age that they started like being a little bit faster too. But I still wanted to compete with them. Um, and I remember the PE teacher was like, you have a, like, we'd get a score from zero to 10. Like mm-hmm. that's how we got our grades. And she was like, like, Catherine, you have a 10. But the guys weren't done. And I was like, I couldn't figure out like, why could I get a 10 now? And they had to run more. Mm. I was like, no, I'm finishing it until like, <laughs> <laughs> until I have that 10. Um, so I think that's um, like a mentality that a lot of people have in Iceland. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, there was a new election for parliament, 48% are women. Wow. You know, so I think we believe that if we put in the same work, we can get the same results. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not afraid to, it's not that's like amazing. Annie said yesterday, it's never been like, we're not afraid to be strong. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, I think just we believe we can and we and we will. We'll work for it. That's yeah. amazing. Well, it clearly shows. Um, so what was it like then from seeing Annie on the news and that influencing you to start CrossFit to then training with her and competing against her? <laughs> um, so Annie, like, just wanted – they traveled a lot. They, okay. I think she wasn't in Iceland for a couple of months. Um, but I remember she came back and she, like, did, like, coach me one of my classes. I was like – oh my gosh, that's Annie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she coached me in a couple of classes, but then she was like traveling a lot. So that was like my first, um, that's how I like first met her. But um, it wasn't until maybe like January, February, like a couple months in that mm-hmm. I remember I was doing some competition and um, I mean, like I'd know her, like I'd say hi mm-hmm. to her, but I didn't like completely know her. I remember she came up, she was like, hey, um, like me and Frederick are training tomorrow. Like if you want to join us. And I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "That's so cool." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I remember I went and trained with them. So I would like every now and then I'd um, I'd go train with them, mm-hmm. and that was it was very motivating. And I did learn a lot from them. Like at that time, I I was just doing class workouts. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like a program to follow mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. Um, I just I just worked hard at what I was doing. I do boot camp three to four times a week. I do CrossFit three to four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was very cool from, yeah, from kind of like seeing her on the news. I remember like going to my first training session with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so beat up and I was like, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to miss out. Yeah, I didn't want to miss out on that. So that was very cool. And, and probably, um, um, I can't remember when we started training together a lot more. That was probably like, it's probably around about that time, probably like a year in a CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very lucky. I was very lucky to be able to see that, um, like I said yesterday, there's so many times that you see athletes that are the best in their sports, and the only time that you ever get to see them is on the floor. You mm-hmm. see, you only see that. You see the pinnacle of them. You see them thrive. They're under their spotlight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it kind of seems like impossible. You know, like you don't know how they got there. They just mm -hmm. are that way. Right. You know, you just see them. They're like, oh, you might think that they just have that talent or they just are that good. Um, but I actually got to see Annie put the hard work in. I got to see um, the sacrifices that she made. I, and um, she took time off school. She was doing this full time. She mm -hmm. put all of her energy in this. She had a coach. She had um, bodywork specialists. It's, it's. It's not so impossible when you when you see what has to be done. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not that it's going to be easy, but you can you can see that it's possible. Amazing. So, at what point did the two of you then start working together? That was um That kind of just happened gradually. <laughs> yeah. Start, he, um, I would come to camps. Um, James Hobart was programming right, for Right, I remember that briefly. Uh -huh. Yeah. That was yeah. 2013. And James was living in our basement. Yeah. <laughs> so she Interesting would, how that all works. Yeah, so she would <laughs> Skype with him and to have a, you know, okay. a conversation and coach-athlete relationship. Uh -huh. And then she came a few times to New England to work with him. And then, okay. obviously, I was there, and we started, just, you know, building up a little relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, somehow it just kind of – after you didn't make the regionals – yeah, that's when I was like... I'm uh, sorry, I didn't make the games for the, after that yeah, regional. That's when I was like, okay, do you want to be my coach? Okay, so this um, is after 2014. Yeah, but before that, I'd been going for, you know, a couple months at a time. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not so long, a couple weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, And I remember every time I went there, at first it was like I just got so much fitter. Mm -hmm. It was like I always left and I was so much fitter. And then gradually it was just like every... I learned, I truly saw like what hard work is, mm -hmm. you know, I thought I knew what hard work was, but it was somehow like, I just wanted to work so hard in that environment. Um, what so was it about the environment you think that, um, I don't, Ben never says a lot. Like he'll, he'll stand and look at the workout <laughs> and he won't say a lot. <laughs> and so you kind of like, you always have to know in yourself if you did your best or not, Like he's not going to. You know, if you get the good job or they're very nice, like, you know you did really well. But you kind of have to count on yourself, too, to, to know that you're working hard. Mm -hmm. And if you could have given more, he's he's not going to tell you off for it. He's not going to be like, you should have worked harder, but I'm going to know that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of the same way my grandfather works. It's like he won't ever tell you off. And you just feel so much. You just almost wish, like, if I ever did anything <laughs> wrong, I just wish he would shout at me. But he's not. So I just feel so much worse. <laughs> So, <laughs> like you know, yeah, I know. Just disappointed, not mad. Yeah, just disappointed. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so, so this was after. So you had kind of been following along. Obviously, you were coaching other athletes, and you, James, was living with you, so you were following Katrin's progress. Um, and I know that that moment in 2014 with the rope climbs was sort of a defining moment for you can you just take us through what happened when you first heard the workout and then through regionals um, that year so that um that year was probably the first year that I'd, I'd probably I'd spent like a couple weeks so it was the first year I ever felt like I was really fit you know like metabolically like mm -hmm. fit um and I was fitter than I'd ever been before but I had some big holes, and legless rope climbs were definitely, like, one of them. Mm -hmm. And I knew it, too. And I hadn't been working on them. Mm -hmm. um, or not like I should have, you know. Like, I had that weakness, and every now and then I might work on them and mm -hmm. be like, okay, I worked on them, but I'd never actually worked on them. Okay. 
Um, so when the regional workouts get announced and it's 10 for a time and that, you know, that run was, wasn't a run, you right. know, not for <laughs> how bad they were for me, <laughs> like <laughs> that I might as well just have walked to walk. Um, but I, I freaked out. It was like, I was really, we were the last regionals, I think. So we had a lot of weeks to practice and I would just cry every single training session because mm-hmm. I was so nervous. I was like, this is it. Like, this is going to be the one that could like keep me out of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we go to regionals, I was killing it. I was doing really, really well. Like I remember day one, I was sitting at the top of the leaderboard and I was in interviews and they're like, oh, so like, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're like, you've been this evening, you're looking really fit. Like, and my answers were like, oh yeah, um, we got legless rope climbs tomorrow. Mm. Like, That's all you could yeah. think about. And like, and then the first event on the day, t- again, I did great. And then still I was like, yeah, I got legless rope climbs. Like that was all I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And then finally the legless rope climb event shows up and... Um, I think I did like six or seven, probably got caught up in the competition because I was like, suddenly I felt good and I could do like this rope climbs <laughs> and it comes crashing down on you. I think it was like rep seven, something like that. And there's footage of, I'm literally hanging at the top and I just have to make the reach and I like make, and I don't, and I just slide down the rope mm-hmm. and immediately I slide down and I start crying. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I'm like, I'm not making the games. And it's so silly and it's stupid. You know, the workout isn't done. The clock's running. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I haven't done my workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've said, like, people fail things all the time. If you just stand back up and you get yourself together, um, you know, you can make more rope climbs. Mm-hmm. There was a whole day left. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, that was definitely, like, like, a mental breakdown right there and then. Mm-hmm. Um which now we talk about is definitely the best thing that ever happened to me. But right there and then, like, I shouldn't have broken down like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did okay for the rest of the weekend, but it was just, it was too big of a fall. I didn't do any more rope climbs for the rest of the event because either, like, just kept trying to go back up, not being recovered, and mm-hmm. just panicking over the whole situation. Um, so that summer, um, like, at the time, I remember um, Ben actually texted me. He wasn't working with me then. He was like, um... He's like, you probably can't see it now, but this could be a good thing. Like, this could be the best thing that happened mm. to you. And I was so mad <laughs> for saying that. I think it took me a week to reply. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I took some time off. I remember probably, like, a couple of weeks I'd go to the gym or, okay. you know, whatever. And I remember um, I hadn't booked any, like, family vacation or done any plans with them because I all I wanted to do was go to the games that's uh-huh. all I wanted to do I had no other plans mm-hmm. um and I just I, w- I remember I just my dad picked me a ticket and I went with them to Morocco and I can't even remember how but I started why or why I started reading those books but I had like a book um the first one that I read was a Michael Johnson book mm-hmm. and he was like top of the sport like no one could be he would he would describe when he ran 100 meters, like, how he would, like, you know, the first, like, the driving phase, he would look down, and, like, after 40, 60 meters, I was, like, look up, and he'd do, like, a right, left, mm-hmm. and he would never see anyone, because mm-hmm. he was so far ahead, and, like, right, so he was, like, supposed to win the Olympics mm-hmm. in the 100 and 200, and he gets, like, this stomach bug or something like that, and he ends up in, like, in the Olympics, he, um, it doesn't even make, like, the quarterfinals, it was something, like, so, like, 
He was just shocked. Was like, he was supposed yeah. to win, and he didn't even, like, or the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so that was, like, for him, that was, like, a major failure. Um, and he comes back in 96. He adds the 400. He gets gold in 100, 200, 400. Wow. And the same time I read the book about, like, Jessica Ennis, she's a heptathlete, and mm-hmm. she, at the same time, she was the best in the world. She'd won, like, the indoors and, and the outdoor championships, and she hurt, she breaks her leg, so she can't compete in the 2008 Olympics. So mm-hmm. in 2012, she's, it's in London. It's, like, her um, home country or her hometown, um, and she she's the face of the Olympics, and she wins. And it was just cool to, like, read about these stories that there's these huge failures, and it's not, it didn't define them. It's not that they fail and that's like some destination, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it was a path to go through and it's an important path. They wouldn't have been who they are without that. So that kind of showed me that I wasn't like, it wasn't that this wasn't for me. It wasn't that I wasn't a great athlete. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that it was this, but up until that point, I definitely had been content with being a games athlete. Mm -hmm. I was, I wanted to be a games athlete. I wanted to make it to the games. I wanted to train for the games. But once I got there, it was, I was just there, fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was just, just at happy the games to be and, there, right. and I could have a whole other year of being a games athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until that point that um, I never wanted to not make it to the games if I wanted to make it to the games. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that moment showing me how bad I really wanted it and how hard I was willing to work for it. And that's kind of like when I started working closer with Ben, we really started working on um, – we read a lot of sports psychology at the same time as I'm reading it. Like we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about, you know, the workout before what we were focusing on, um, you know, and after like what we were focusing on, how we could fix it. And it's, it's, it was that year. It was, um, I mean, I got a lot fitter that year, but it was definitely, um, it was us m- working on my mental game that year. That was the biggest differentiator. Wow. And what was it like, Ben, from your perspective, watching her in that event and then starting to work with her, and how did that change your approach? Um, I can't remember, like, the feelings or the emotions Mm -hmm. actually watching the event. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she wasn't one of my athletes at the time, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't as tied into it. We definitely were friends. Mm -hmm. That's why I sent her the text afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, But shortly thereafter, it was after the games, after that year finished up, that she reached out in August or whatever that was mm-hmm. and um said she wanted to work with me and she came and then i was coaching um um matt and michelle at the time um and she came and worked with us that september and mm-hmm. she was really fit <laughs> um, she was really fit and that's when we started to i as a coach also started to swing a little bit and go much more into a little bit away from the normal points performance and strategies of workouts mm-hmm. and kind of like the on the floor between the whistles type stuff. Right. That's where I, I was before. Mm-hmm. I was a programmer. I was trying to maximize horsepower and technique um, and kind of the regular GPP, what we think about, the 10 physiological adaptations. Yep. That's where I always thought my role as a coach was. Mm-hmm. Right when catch catch came on at the exact right time was when I was switching my, my approach to a more um, 360-degree holistic approach for a coach. Okay. I, I started investing more into developing people mm-hmm. and the characteristics of a champion than I did the work capacity and the skills and drills of a, of a champion. Mm-hmm. Not that those aren't important because I don't care how mentally tough you are and how dedicated and how, um, how strong-willed you are. Mm-hmm. 
that person will not beat somebody that's more talented. But if you take somebody that has incredible talent mm -hmm. and you put the right personal characteristics to that person, now we're starting to develop the, the approach of a champion. And that was a really exciting time. Katrin actually moved from Iceland shortly thereafter. She mm -hmm. finished that semester mm -hmm. and spent the rest of that spring in New England um, living what she took over James's room. <laughs> so lived in the basement. Our, lived in the basement. <laughs> so that was actually a um, a real turning point as well because you know I think everybody feels like they have a really special family. I feel like I have a really special family mm -hmm. where we talk they about have a really special family. Where yeah. we talk about this stuff at the dinner table. Yeah. We talk about characteristics of championship. We talk about um, you know all the things that you know about things that you have control over and things that you don't, mm -hmm. about having belief in yourself, about um, you know what it means to be a loyal friend and family member, mm -hmm. all the things that it means to be, okay, people use the word dedication. What's dedication really mean? Mm -hmm. People use the word of self-confidence. What's that really mean? Those are the conversations we have at the dinner table. <laughs> for ben real. have like lesson plans every night. For yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we love it. <laughs> Maya calls it, uh, here goes Ben with a Rocky speech. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be able to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> it's always uh, like you end about 8 p.m. and you're so fired up. <laughs> so I think it helped um, both of us. We've said outright, mm -hmm. uh, we've grown with each other. Mm -hmm. Like I've learned as much from Katrin just watching what – a champion looks like how mm -hmm. they act and how they perform and how they sleep and mm -hmm. think as much as she's learned from me. I couldn't have done it all without learning mm -hmm. or without being at CFNE and working with Ben. And the fact that we lived under the same roof was like this, <laughs> like, yeah, 24 seven. Yeah. You could yeah. call it like, you know, this, this Mecca of having it or <laughs> this like, or this prison where you can't escape. <laughs> Depends <laughs> but, on how you yeah. look at it. Yeah. But it's really, it's like every moment of every day, every car ride, every yeah. meal, every training yeah. session. It was one of these things where I think people can put on a good face mm -hmm. in the gym in front of their coach and they, they wear the happy face. Mm -hmm. They wear the, the pride. They wear the, the focus and they go home and then they, they can fall apart. Right. They can they can cry in front of the mirror. They yeah. could, you know, have cupcakes and they can do all these things that you know, if you're living with somebody, like those things come That's out of the wash. So if you're true. a family member, we know. You know, you don't have to tell us. We just you don't have to see it. We mm -hmm. know we can you know, I'm as close to Catherine as I've been with anyone else in my life mm -hmm. outside of my immediate family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's she's we call her you know, our other daughter. She's, you know. I'm Bergeron. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, her and Maya are considered sisters. sisters. Yeah. It's their, it's, it's an incredibly close relationship that's benefited us immensely mm -hmm. on the competitive side. Not only that, you know, the thing that I think you asked earlier, you know, what do I like about coaching? And mm -hmm. I like the competition for sure, mm -hmm. you know, but one of the rewarding parts, it's not the reason I got into this, mm -hmm. but one of the rewarding parts is for sure seeing the development mm -hmm. of the person as well. When I took Catron as an athlete, she was an immature teenager. <laughs> you know, she was. <laughs> she um, didn't take ownership of things mm -hmm. and was emotional. Mm -hmm. And she's turned from that perspective, you know, you could throw in the word complacency as well. Like mm -hmm. it's hard to put the word complacency on somebody that's a games athlete, but she was complacent with being a games athlete. Mm -hmm. She didn't care, take care of details. She was... Um, emotional and then to take that to where she is today mm -hmm. which I believe this is my own biased opinion she's the role model in the sport absolutely you know, and yeah. in the history of the sport I don't think there's been a better person mm -hmm. to represent what we stand for in terms of the characteristics of a human being mm 
And to see that development over three very short years mm-hmm. is a testament to to her more than us or our environment. She's an incredible student. The best thing that I can say about Katrin is the coachability factor mm-hmm. where she's, you know, I don't think people give enough credit to some like Matt and Katrin for how smart they are. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly brilliant people. You know, if they went into any field, they'd be incredibly successful with whatever they did because mm-hmm. their drive, but also their passion and their, their minds are incredible. Mm-hmm. I, we have conversations and I will have them with her once about something. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's kind of like what most people, you have a conversation, it's probably going to get <laughs> right. washed Forget over like, it, like, yeah. a, like a sand, like you build a sandcastle and the tide comes in and eventually it kind of washes away that thought or that conversation. Mm-hmm. With Catherine, it's not. We're not building a sandcastle that's getting washed away. You're building like something with stone and brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. You say something to her once, and she'll repeat the conversation two years later exactly verbatim. Wow. And that's a huge – it's a huge advantage because all you have, we can move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I don't need to repeat it. And that's one of my coaching styles mm-hmm. Is we've had athletes come in and train with us, mm-hmm. and one recently came in. It's a regional level athlete came in, mm-hmm. and afterwards, he said, "What'd you think?" And I said, uh, "And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do I think?" He said, "What do you think about my time?" I said, "The time doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. He goes, "Okay, then what'd you think about my performance?" I said, "I told you to fix something on your rowing technique. You didn't fix it." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Well, I wanted to go fast." I was like, "I'm not going to give it to you again. If you don't want to change, you don't want to learn." This isn't the right place for you. Like, I'm not going to beg you to change. <laughs> I'm not going to beg you to, like, right. ma- you got to want it yourself. You, you got to want it yourself. Mm-hmm. Katrin wants it. It wants it and wants it really badly. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And, you know, I, I read the, the book Mindset by mm-hmm. Carol Dweck, and mm-hmm. as I'm reading it, and I envision, like, the fixed mindset, it's me growing up in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When I think of the growth mindset, I, I, it's Katrin. The one that's like always wants to learn. Nothing's about validation or like pass fail. It's mm-hmm. always like, am I getting better? It's better to become something than to be something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I have no idea what your question was. Like, <laughs> no, that's, no, I like this. Let's go with this. Yeah. Let's go yeah. with this. I love it. So you started to talk a little bit about like some of the characteristics that make Katrin a great athlete to coach or a great person to coach. Um, from your side, what are some of the aspects about Ben that make him a great coach to work with? Um, definitely, like I said, at, at first, it's like you started developing, um, athletically, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably what kept me coming back from where at first, it was mm-hmm. like, I'm getting, I'm becoming a better athlete. Better, yeah. Um, but then he puts a lot of emphasis on becoming a better person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I'm totally different than when I was when I first came, you know, um, I'm happier and I've, like he says, I've gained a new family, mm-hmm. you know, so it's that. Everything seems, I don't know, like clear in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it seems like, it doesn't seem like it will work. Like you become a better person and that's going to make you a better athlete. But like he says, it just takes certain characteristics to follow something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the emphasis that he puts on effort versus results is something. It's It can be hard going on the floor knowing it's not going to be a good workout for you. Like I told you the story about like the rope climb workout and I'm scared that I might disappoint him. I might go on the floor and you know, if I won't perform well, 
he's going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're family. I know that however I will do, he'll love me when I come off the floor. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I know that if I go out there and I do my best, that's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's almost as taking pressure off. But at the same time, it's a lot of pressure too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that's hard. Sometimes yeah. it's actually easier just to get the results. Just and not, to even yeah. though you might not, score. You you might not score. be putting in the full effort, but you can still get the good score and that might yeah. be easier. But really putting in that full effort every single day is really it's hard. It's hard. And it's it's those standards that I that he – it's a pressure that he puts on that I want to live up to, mm-hmm. you know. So – that's amazing. And yeah. I love I love how you guys talk about that and putting the emphasis on the effort and focusing on each maximizing each moment of training. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you balance that and that mindset and training with goal setting and how does that influence the type of goals that you set? Yeah. Um <coughs> I I grew up a very goal oriented person. I grew mm-hmm. up um you know, I, I believe in goals. I research goals, and I try to figure more about them. And the more you learn about them, you learn about s- smart goals, specific, mm-hmm. measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. And then eventually I got to the point where I had a th- kind of a 180 on goals. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in goals anymore. Hmm. I think goals have their place mm-hmm. and they, if, they, if they're structured correctly. Um, but I believe goals can be more demotivating than motivating. Most of the time, the goals that people set for themselves are what I call destination goals. Mm-hmm. I want to clean and jerk 300 pounds. I want to lose, you know, um, five pounds. I want to get promoted. I want to win the games. Mm-hmm. I want to be something at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, realistically, you don't have much control over that. You just really don't. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying that you're making a smart goal, let's say you want to, your goal is to run a sub four hour marathon at the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. And... Let's say that you wake up that morning and there's 18 inches of snow on the ground. And that could happen in Boston mm-hmm. in April. Chances are, if your goal, you're going to be within, like, you're, that's going to be a razor sharp thing that you have to work for really hard. Mm-hmm. Well, in that scenario, you're not going to achieve your goal. So if you're not going to achieve your goal before you came and set out for it, does that mean you don't try? So for us, a goal is the result from which you put forth an effort. Okay. So instead of focusing on the result, just focus on the effort. So we say the effort lies in the dedication to the process. Mm-hmm. And where you end up will take care of itself. So if your goal is to win the CrossFit Games, mm-hmm. I think that's misplaced. I think your goal should be to figure out what does it, what is it going to take to win the CrossFit Games. Mm-hmm. And then your goal should be to maximize your effort towards each of those components. So the person that's going to win the CrossFit Games is going to train six days a week. Mm -hmm. They're going to be in the gym four to six hours, and they're going to work really hard on their strength, their skills, and their conditioning. Mm -hmm. We all know that. That's not enough. You're not going to win the CrossFit Games just doing that. So you have to kind of dissect what does the winner of the CrossFit Games look like. You begin Mm -hmm. with the end in mind. Okay, they're going to eat a certain way. So let's maximize everything we can Mm -hmm. within that area. How are they going to sleep? Let's maximize everything we can in terms of our sleep protocol. Mm-hmm. They're going to do mindfulness practice. Let's maximize everything we can do in terms of mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. They're going to train. Let's put everything we can into our training, effort, mm-hmm. not results. 
And if we do that, if we dedicate ourselves to that process, the goal, we have a better chance of achieving that goal. But even more important than the process. So you have goals on one end, mm -hmm. but above goals is the process. The process you follow dictates the goal, mm -hmm. not how much you wish and want it to happen. Right. Not how good you are at writing smart goals. It's the daily discipline that gets you there. The problem is, daily discipline is really hard. Really, really, people don't give enough credit. To do what Katrin does every single day, to, the big obvious one is move away from your home country and your family. Yeah. That's a big one. Now, some people might be willing to do that and make the big choice, mm -hmm. but then they're not willing to make the three dozen tiny little choices every day. Those are hard, mm -hmm. really hard. Every decision you make is going to take you a step closer, a step farther from your goal, from the process. So what we do is we try to develop the characteristics of a person that can follow the process. So those characteristics are things like humility mm -hmm. and hunger and dedication and patience and being coachable and positive. Mm -hmm. If we develop those characteristics, then all of a sudden we are creating the person that can follow a process. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have the person that can follow the process and you've defined what that process is, the goals are going to happen. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And that's such a big thing. It's not something that I'm just saying here. Yeah. Katrin knows that we yeah, talk yeah. about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like such a big thing when I think about um, like our 2015 season, like leading up to the games. Um, like I truly fell in love with the process. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that we were ever talking about winning the games. It wasn't that we ever had like, and it, it was, we showed up at the gym every day. We worked as hard as we could. Mm -hmm. Every single day, it'd be high fives. We'd be like, what a great day. Every single day. And every single day, you can walk out and be like, we got a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And you just do that every single day. It's the same thing. Like, winning the games, it's not that moment that's cool. It's not the the... It's not as cool as people think it is, winning the games. But mm -hmm. when you think about winning the games, you think about all the moments leading up to it. It's it's all these training sessions that we have, like talks that we have. It's it's the people you get like on the way. It's mm -hmm. it's the journey. And it really is. Like if people say that a lot, um and it might sound like something that you're supposed to say, but it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one day at a time and it's the journey. That's amazing. I love how to you talk about mindfulness, being in the moment um, trying to be, po to say positive, things like that. Obviously it, it can sound like, Oh, everything's great. And we're <laughs> always positive and everything like that you obviously still have difficult days, <laughs> difficult moments and moments when doubt creeps in or things like that. Can you give me an example of a training day or a competition event, something like that when you had a challenge and then how you use these tools to maximize that challenge? Um, I, I got a, a general take on yeah. that before we get into the okay. specific yeah. of yeah. the actual day. And I know the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, human beings are five times more likely to lean into and remember and become um, attached to negative mm -hmm. than they are positive. It's built into our DNA. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's a lot more important to remember that the, the, in our paleolithic era, we've been, it's built into who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. It's more important to remember that the big furry animal with the huge claws and the teeth is going to kill you then it is to remember that the little butterfly is really pretty. <laughs> okay. It's really important to remember <laughs> that those berries will kill you, then those ones are really tasty. Yeah. We are we are 
programmed to attach ourselves to the negative. Mm -hmm. That's part of our DNA and our survival instincts. That doesn't help us in a competitive sports setting. Mm -hmm. It helps us in survival mode. Because of that, we have to work really, really. It, you're not going to just default to positive. It doesn't mm -hmm. happen. You're going to default to negative. Mm -hmm. It's what human beings do. So we work really hard on that in our daily disciplines. It's mm -hmm. part of our daily practice. It's part of our conversation. It's part of what we work towards. It's part of the white bracelet, the mm -hmm. no complaint bracelets. Mm -hmm. We don't. Com our saying is never whine, never complain, never make excuses. Okay. And it's a big thing that we have to remind ourselves time and time again. In terms of a specific day that this came to light, it was leading up to the games last year when we were training at Cape Cod um, with Cole Sager, and we had the gym to ourselves, mm -hmm. and we were doing a workout. You remember this now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The workout was uh, overhead squats and muscle-ups. Okay. And it's something that Katrin's fairly decent at, mm -hmm. not a wheelhouse type thing. Um, Cole's v very good at those two movements. Mm -hmm. And um, she had a tough go at it. And um, – she lost her competitive edge in the middle of the training session, mm -hmm. which is something we work really hard on. We know adversity is going to strike. We know we're going to get beat. Mm -hmm. We know things aren't going to line up for us. We work really, really hard on when that happens to mm -hmm. not lose our competitive edge. And she did in that training session. We got really frustrated, gave up, didn't not gave up, gave up, but went, took her foot off the gas pedal and mm -hmm. went in cruise control mm -hmm. and just went through the motions of completing the workout. And when she was done, she was incredibly frustrated with herself. Mm -hmm. When it was over, um, it wasn't the normal Katrin lying on the floor, ask, looking for feedback, what do I do to make that better? Yeah. It was no eye contact, storm with like, you know, real purpose outside. Yeah. And then just went outside and um, wanted a moment to sulk. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I didn't let that happen. Um, we went out and I immediately turned it into a learning lesson that this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. We, This is in the moment what we talk about all the time. This is when things don't line up. This is when you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. This is when the competitors do take off. This is when you can't stay with them. So what does it look like? What's your competitive mindset? What's your competitive approach? How hard are you willing to work when it's all stacked against you? Mm -hmm. And we turned that what theoretically could have been the worst day if we didn't have that conversation. That day lasts. It doesn't last minutes. It lasts hours. And mm -hmm. probably not hours, but days. Because this self-doubt creeps in and like, am I doing the right things? And that workout was terrible. And maybe I don't have it. And maybe I can't win the CrossFit Games. And all of a sudden, that's why you don't put that pressure on yourself. It's about mm -hmm. this workout. Okay, now that workout happened and we didn't take advantage of the way we wanted to, we have another moment. Are we going to maximize this moment now and use it as a learning experience for the next? And we still have four more hours of training left. Mm -hmm. Are we going to lose that next four hours? Because we can't. You lose those four hours and you've lost potential for growth. So we flipped it around and said, okay, now that we have the struggle in front of us, now that we have that adversity, now that we did not do well, and now that you did give up, mm -hmm. Let's make sure that the next hour is not that. Let's use this as a new learning experience going forward. Mm -hmm. So there's always bad days. There's uh, No one's going to go through this thing with, we talked about this before yeah. this podcast, of this level of vulnerability that everyone should have because there's no such thing as a robot. Mm -hmm. We're not even, forget a robot, we're not even racehorses. Yeah. We're human beings with emotions and ups and downs and distractions and consciences. We need to be able to accept that but then accept it, learn from it, and move on. We can't sulk in the moments. Mm -hmm. 
And what was that like for you, Katrin? Um, like he says, like that was a training day that I would have looked at and been like, that was not a good day. Mm-hmm. Like that was not a good workout. Um, I didn't do well in that workout. I I didn't even, it wasn't the effort that I should have put into the mm-hmm. workout. Even though it wasn't a good workout for me, I still can go as hard as I can go. And mm-hmm. I did not do that in that workout. Um, so that's definitely like a day that I would have, I would have left. I would have been like, that was a lost day. Mm-hmm. That was not a good day. And instead, Ben was able to flip that into using that experience to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's so easy to talk about all these things. Like, when you're in the moment, you're going to do this. And when you're in this, you're going to do this. And Ben was like, this is the moment. <laughs> this is the moment. Here we are. Yeah. It's like, now use it. Like, mm-hmm. don't let it pass and don't let it be a bad moment. So we always talk about it like, there are no bad days. Mm-hmm. That was a bad day. There, there wasn't a bad day. And we look back. That is our favorite training our best day. Best training day of the year. Wow. Best training day of the year. Best training yep. day leading up to the 2016 CrossFit. That's the day we look back games. on a lot and mm-hmm. being like, that's yeah. where we learned the most. Our which which should have been the worst day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. So I think that's that's very cool. And that's I always say that I'm I I don't even know how I ended up at Stephanie with Ben as my coach and mm-hmm. you know a girl from Iceland. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's we just explained it at the beginning of this podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go through yeah. that again? Wait, Remember wait, wait. James was <laughs> your coach right. living in the basement. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but I think about it all the time. How incredibly yeah. lucky I am, and th- and those are the things that are so important. Yeah, there are no bad days. You know, I might go through a bad workout or what I feel like is a bad workout mm-hmm. or. Or the live feedback that you get right away so that every single experience, like we were talking, it's one day at a time. Like how can you maximize this day? And every single experience, mm-hmm. turn it into a good one. What, whatever it is, like pick out the lesson and learn, you know. Don't let it pass you by. Don't don't sulk it out. Don't do this or that. Learn. Flip it around, mm-hmm. you know. Amazing. <laughs> In a training day that like I think a lot of other people would have just said, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it a day. I'll come back tomorrow, you know, and just give up and go sulk for the rest of the day. And to have someone there who's gonna hold you accountable it's to so important, yeah, to t- learning from it and making the most of it. That's really because it's hard when you're in that mindset. It, I don't like I wouldn't have been able to in that mindset pick myself out of that, mm-hmm. you know. But then looking at that is able to flip that around, and then you know, for me to be able to learn from that, mm-hmm. and and for him to show me that, and like then later I can I can take back on that and like okay right. when I'm in that situation again right. I'll know I'll know what to think I'll know how to react to that um yeah we have we have a lesson every single day there's something <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're writing these all down so you can write a book one day for us <laughs> um so I want to talk a little bit about priorities Ben referenced this a little bit earlier when you mentioned stepping away from competition and focusing on coaching mm-hmm. and Katrin, we know you mentioned moving from Iceland, making that decision to come. And I think Ben, you've talked about this before about how many priorities that you can have and how you balance those and how good and focused you can be at any one of them. And I think it's a great contrast between the two of you. So could you explain about each of you about making those decisions, Katrin, one to focus on your one priority mm-hmm. of the games and then Ben on your, life family gym we, ju- we just talked about this at mm-hmm. lunch okay we li- where our our saying our belief is that um in the in the pursuit of being a champion balance mm-hmm. is overrated i think everyone searches for, for balance yep. in their life and chris talked about this last night yep. chris spieler said it a lot more eloquently than i'm probably gonna mm-hmm. spout off on about right now but 
essentially balance it. You can't have balance and be a, a world champion in something. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, Kobe Bryant is one of the ones been very, you know, he's, you could argue he's not a great human being, but he's, <laughs> no one's going to argue that he's not one of the best basketball players that ever lived. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm not going to be the best dad. I'm not going to be the best friend. I'm not going to be the best husband. I can't be those things if I'm trying to be the best basketball player that's ever lived. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things that, like, if you're going to be singularly focused, you can't have that balance. Mm -hmm. And you, if you're going to be like Katrin is, you have to be singularly ba focused. Absolutely. It's incredibly important. Everyone's searching. I think everyone wants balance. Well, you can't have balance and that. Now, that's not my goal. I'm not, you know, I said earlier I'm competitive. I want to be the best. Mm -hmm. Really what I want to do, though, is I want to maximize my potential in three different areas. You okay. know, dad, coach, um, and business owner. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well, I'm sacrificing a lot in each one of those. You only have, imagine you have a, a, a teapot and mm -hmm. you're going to fill up cups. Well, you can fill up one all the way or you can fill up three evenly. Mm -hmm. That's as good as it's going to get. You only have so much of you to give. So if you're going to choose balance, you also have to be willing to give up a lot in each of those categories. And I purposely did I know I'm not as good of a coach as I could be for Katrin if mm -hmm. every day was like this here <laughs> where I had no other roles and responsibilities <laughs> it would be ridiculous mm -hmm. but that's not what I want mm -hmm. I want I want a family and I want a, a business mm -hmm. similarly if I if I didn't have to go to work and I didn't coach athletes me as a dad would be insane it would be incredible <laughs> best be, dad of the world yeah. <laughs> So but I do think there's something to be said for being a role model for your kids yep. and working hard. And on that's other what things. balance creates. Yeah. Balance can yeah. create other yeah. avenues and other opportunities. And just like imbalance can create other avenues and mm -hmm. other opportunities. And, you know, you put up a quote last night from Oprah mm -hmm. that said, you know, you can have it all. You just can't have it all right now. Yeah. Not and all at once. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. That, it's that same thought process. So true. So true. And so, Katrin, can you talk about your decision then to give up? I know you were in school at mm -hmm. one time earlier on when we were talking. I knew you were deciding maybe you'd go to law school, maybe you'd do this or that. So yeah. you stopped school. You moved all the way to the United States to train. What was that decision um, like for you? So I started um, I started doing engineering. Mm -hmm. And I that's – my family is very academic. It's – and I said it's just what you do. Like mm -hmm. you graduate when you're um, – 20 and then you go to university and every you you got to have a degree it's it's the path you mm -hmm. graduate what we call college and you go to university so kind of I didn't really know what I wanted to do I was like I um always looked very much up to my grandpa he mm -hmm. was a lawyer or is um he didn't he never worked as a lawyer but that's you know I went to the same college as he went to and then he did law so I want to do law mm -hmm. um and then, but I was never very good at like the reading subject. I was very good at math, physics, all of that. So it was just, when I graduated, it wasn't even thought put into it. It was just like, I'd be good at engineering. It mm -hmm. seemed like natural. So I did that and I absolutely hated it. I was, mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine doing it. Like I was so, I would get good grades. I would just, I would do the things and I could get, get by. I was like, there's no chance that I'm ever like going to yeah. do this. Um, so that's like a year that, you know, you'd be in school. It's a lot. That's a full-time job too. And mm -hmm. I was coaching and I was training for the CrossFit Games. 
Um, so the next year I was like, okay, I don't want to do engineering. Like I'll do law. Like mm-hmm. I'll do what I wanted to do. And I actually liked law, um, but I, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, so that was another one that it just, I was so, I was spread so thin, mm-hmm. you know, I was not doing very well in law. Like when all of my friends that I was in school with, they would read all day mm-hmm. and I would go to school, but then I would train all day. Mm-hmm. And then if I might have 150 pages at night to read and it was like 8 p.m. and I couldn't get through that and I wasn't prepared for the next class or and then I wouldn't sleep and I'd be tired and, and that would suffer in my training. And then I was coaching three hours a day, too, and mm-hmm. I didn't even like being in the gym anymore. So everything suffered. Yes. I was doing nothing well. Mm-hmm. None of the things. I wasn't doing anything well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, the first people to realize it was actually, like, I think it was my mom to probably say it first. I was like, you know, why don't you just take time off? Like, take time to, like, realize what you want to do. And I remember at first I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, like it wasn't even an option. It wasn't even a thought. And then it was like, you know, she's right. And my grandparents were like, why don't you just take time? Like, you don't know. And they were right. Like, I know that I wanted to compete in the CrossFit Games, and mm-hmm. I wanted to work so hard at this, and I had no clue what I wanted to do in school. And I was like, you know what? I'll take the time off, and I'll figure that out. And that's mm-hmm. when um, I took time off school. I moved to Boston. Um, and it's really cool what happens when you commit 100% to something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the right people around. <laughs> and um, that was our 2015 season. That's and it amazing. was magic starts happening yeah when you commit yourself 100 percent to them thing. i don't know if i ever told you about this but the first time that i could tell that something was different was that year was the first year we went to the bahamas with reebok and it's kind of like how you said you before you were an athlete that was sort of complacent you're like i just want to be a games athlete and at that sort of event there's tons of athletes and you can tell who those athletes are that are just happy to be a games athlete and i noticed a difference in you i noticed <laughs> that you were off doing, you were so focused on your training. You were up early. You were eating, you know, we weren't eating cookies like everyone else was because they were on vacation. <laughs> and I was like, something's going on with Katrin. <laughs> and then she ends up winning the games. So I'm like, hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> something's up. Um, so it's really awesome. It's really awesome to see. And cool from, from my perspective too, obviously always being in that struggle of trying to balance things. And the f- my first year of med school really being, kind of like you said full-time school full-time training and probably almost getting to my brinky point and then being able to take extra time in school and find a little bit better balance and be able to be obviously not focused on one thing but be a lot better at yeah both you know and being able to have really one priority yeah so how does this play out can you guys take me through a day in the life of Katrin and Ben how does this play out on a day-to-day basis and managing your priorities and your typical day of training and everything else you do. Um, so I can start. You start earlier. I, you I get start. up first. Yeah. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I get up at 4:45 every morning. Wow. Um, I do my w- morning routine. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that involve? Uh, whatever is brushing teeth and stuff like that. So like, okay. um, shower. I go to. Um, I, I get out of the house fairly quickly. So I'm out of the house a little after 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. 5.05, mm-hmm. and I go to um, my office. I have an office actually next door to the gym, so it's not okay. in the gym. So I can actually so can have, have separation. Some, yeah. um, and I go in that office, and I um, I read Stoicism. Okay. Um, so about mindfulness mm-hmm. and a, approach to life. 
and then I, I'm a very disciplined person myself. I have a, um, a daily tracker mm -hmm. that I created, um, which gives me weekly scores mm -hmm. based off of how I'm um, performing relative to the core values I've set for my own life. Okay. And I spend um, about 15 to 20 minutes going through that and analyzing my own um, core values, personal mission statement, and my own quarterly rocks, my goals for the next 90 days, mm -hmm. and how I'm doing tracking towards that. From there, I, um, I create the programming for my athletes I train from afar, from, mm -hmm. for Brooke Wells and Cole. I actually purposely do that in the morning because okay. they're farther in a time zone so I can mm -hmm. read their results from the day before. Okay. And I, am, I have a big picture of what I want to look like, mm -hmm. but I tweak that every day based on how people are feeling. Okay. Um, so I can't do it the night before unless I hear how l yesterday went. Right. Um, so I'll pre create their programming. I'll um, send Matt what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I, I suggest things to Matt. Okay. And he follows along um, as he wants to. Okay. Um, so I reach out to all my athletes. Um, and then from there, I go and work out myself, and I coach a class. Mm -hmm. I eat a little bit of food. And then um, during that time, Katrin's starting her day. <laughs> <laughs> sounds it's like nice. half a day yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when I'm having lunch, and it's not Katrin's that late. This sounds like it's lunch or something. It's actually it's like, like 7 a.m. Yeah, it's like 9 a.m. <laughs> it, it, it is. We're at, we're, it's just up in the middle yeah. of the night. <laughs> we're, we're at 9.30 at this point. Yeah. And Ben's <laughs> eating lunch. <laughs> So how does your day start, oh, Catherine? Oh, so we're on Monday. <laughs> um, I love mornings. Uh -huh. So I love, like, <laughs> like you know, in the Bahamas, I'm like, should we just sit and have coffee for half an yes. hour? Yes, <laughs> yes. So um, nice. So I will get up anywhere, depending on, like, when I fall asleep or when I'm going to bed. It'll be anywhere between 6 and 7 that I get up. Mm -hmm. um, and I will normally finish cooking my breakfast, all of that. I do love listening to podcasts in the morning, mm -hmm. anything to just, I love coming to the gym and having something like, you know, something that you're thinking about or yeah. like having a conversation with Ben about something that, you know, I heard them talking about or, um, so I'll normally do something like that. And then I'll kind of like let my breakfast wait while I have my coffee. And I mm -hmm. love writing the five minute journal. Mm -hmm. That's something that a D, my nutritionist sent me like months ago and I don't know I was so intimidated by it I was like I can't even start that book I was like <laughs> literally had like a panic feeling um and Heather started writing it and she loves it so much I was like okay you know what I'll I give it a this. shot and I've actually loved it it starts your day you know thinking about three things that you're grateful for mm -hmm. and you know you can easily think about three things and then three things and three things and you mm -hmm. write it every single day so it's you've got to start like really thinking about things and um then you write three things that would make today great. So okay. you're like, okay, what do I want to do today that will make it great? And then it has this thing that's like, it's like a daily affirmation of like, I am dot, dot, dot. Mm. And like, you can say things that you are, or you can say things that you want to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was traveling the day after or the same day or something. And I was like, I am on time and <laughs> I love packing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like good let's start the day that's awesome <laughs> and were you i think i actually i was i, I haven't missed a flight in a while that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but a yeah, good one that i actually loved using and i think i heard tim ferris say this on his podcast uh -huh. was that he loves and i've used this a couple times since it was i am unrushed mm, and that's I love that. a really good one that's it's like really it good. just settled Helps you, you stay know, in you the moment. You don't need to be in a rush. Yeah. yeah. 
And being in a rush is such like, I, I don't I, it sounds so bad from someone that's always five minutes late, but it feels so bad. You mm-hmm. know, you always like got that little like panicky feeling. Yes. You're always like somehow things start going backwards and you forget things. Yes. And um, so, yeah, do that. And then um, that's while I'm like drinking my coffee and then I have breakfast. In most mornings over my breakfast, I'll FaceTime my mom or my dad or call my grandpa. Like, I love just talking to people in the morning. Mm-hmm. And just because of the time difference, too. Like, when I finish training, um, they're normally, like, going to bed or something like that. So, mm-hmm. it's just a great time to call um, anyone, like, back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go get ready for the gym. Um, normally prep my food for the day. Or food for, like, lunch and snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I get to the gym at like, it's anywhere between like nine, nine thirty, and I'll wait until Ben finishes coaching his class, which is nine thirty, And mm-hmm. that's when he'll be like, okay, so how do you feel? And he's always normally, he's always written stuff up on the boards. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I said, I'm always walking. Trying like, to peek. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's there. So I can okay. always go look, but it's after like, how do you feel? And then, you know, if he wants to make any adjustments on the day or this or that. So, um, and then either, you know, I train from, I do like a long warm up. Mm-hmm. um, so it's normally, it's either in the morning, it's a couple hours in the morning or afternoon that Ben will um, work with me. So we'll like pick things that, um, you know, like he doesn't have to watch me like warm up mm-hmm. or do this or that. But then if it's like important stuff, then we'll time it so that, um, so that we he get, can yeah. be there and watch you. Okay. Yeah. And then what is that like? I saw you guys doing a workout earlier today and then we did the 50s. But what are you looking for when Katrin's doing one of her workouts as a coach um different things for different workouts for okay. sure um it might be it's not like i don't start off set out like this is what i'm going to look for right. certain things will pop up mm-hmm. um so i don't start off with any set motive unless we're doing something specific if we're doing um like a muscle up progression mm-hmm. i'm looking for certain things in the technique of a muscle up mm-hmm. but in a classic workout type setting where it's a training like it's a crossfit wad mm-hmm. um i'll just look I'll, I'll just observe and see where we can where are the deficiencies? Mm-hmm. Is it um, is it a technique issue? Is it a um, pacing issue? Mm-hmm. Or is it a mental issue? And we'll, um, I may or may not address it at the time. Mm-hmm. Usually I won't. Mm-hmm. Um, um, usually I'll wait till it's over. And my mm-hmm. thought process in that is because that's the way, you know, we're not, we as coaches are limited where other coaches are not. Mm-hmm. When the, the whistle blows, I don't get to coach her at all. That's mm-hmm. in other sports. It's, you can call timeouts, you come over, you can have conversations with the athletes as they're performing. Mm-hmm. Almost every sport, you know, um, even the tour de France, like those guys have headsets in and they're getting coached the whole time. Yeah. For us, once they leave athlete village, I don't see her again until that event is completely over. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I would train where I would coach her differently than that. Mm-hmm. I should l- allow her to try and make the adjustments on her own. Now, if I see something, drastically that we should change mm-hmm. I, I will do that in the moment but it, that's wouldn't you agree with that that's a much that's actually really occasion. interesting i never know that that's something that you do but it's it's true and i thinking about it like if you are giving me something to fix in the middle of a workout with the heart rate high like chances are that it's it's just hard to get that feedback too now if we're doing an on the minute type thing sure. yeah the reason we're doing that is because it's more of a practice session mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if it's a practice session then i do have that opportunity and i mm-hmm. should take advantage of that and i we make all sorts of tweaks and fixes to the most <laughs> basic type mm-hmm. things that people would probably be flabbergasted at the fact that we are <laughs> we are trying to fix her air squat yeah. yeah and we spent three months working on her air squat mm-hmm. so i mean there's 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 um 
there's different levels based off of what we're doing for the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so you pick certain things that you want to work together on during the day. And then you mentioned usually after the workout, you're doing a lot of feedback right mm-hmm. there in the moment while it's fresh in your mind. So what yeah, does so that a normal, look like? A normal day will be Catherine walks in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have most of the time I've written out the day's programming. Sometimes mm-hmm. I leave a couple things blank. Mm-hmm. I have to ask her how she's doing so I understand where we are. Mm-hmm. And then we'll maybe make adjustments, maybe not. And then we'll determine um, what are the key things for me to be there watching. Mm-hmm. And um, during those ones, those are the ones that afterwards we're going to be able to have a conversation about. Okay. And it might be something as simple as this is how we need to cycle this movement faster. Mm-hmm. This is where, you know, a technique type thing. Um, usually it lends into an overall big picture approach of what we're trying to accomplish. It usually starts off nitty gritty mm-hmm. um, and then very quickly turns away from that and turns into um, characteristics of a champion. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It all starts there. Yeah. People can get geeked out really easily on horsepower or um, cycle times or transitions or VO2 max. Um, I think all that stuff is an easy byproduct of a person that lives the championship lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So training, probably lunch in there and, and mm-hmm. snacks and things. Um what does the rest of the day look like? Um, rest, we actually, on the way here, created, like, a nightly routine. Okay. Um, I love routine. Um, I have, like, a morning routine. We have a routine throughout the day, and then I didn't have a nightly routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that, you know, it might be – so trying to, like, step at a time at, like, this time I have dinner, and then I have time for, like, social media or Instagram or mm-hmm. um, to watch TV or answer emails, something mm-hmm. like that. Um I just want to ask a quick question about social media. So do you restrict yourself to that specific time or are you looking at it throughout the day? Um, I normally I normally have a full Instagram to look at throughout the day. Okay. Because I don't really take breaks. Mm-hmm. If I would take a lunch break, I might sit there and, and flick through it, but I normally mm-hmm. don't. And I, I don't do it during training. Um, I wouldn't do it in between sets. I just feel like that's... Um, very distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing. It's normally like a rule. If I've taped my thumbs, I won't answer texts either. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one for everyone to That's know. It's a good one. Tape your thumbs <laughs> when yeah. you get into the yeah, gym. We're out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll answer once the training session's done. Um, <laughs> and then normally, um, try and be in bed by you know nine thirty. Read a book. Um, and then lights out by ten. I try and get at least. Um eight hours of sleep and mm-hmm. if it's a tough training week or I'm tired that that can very easily turn into like nine hours mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm, I'm like a little baby like I need my sleep I'll be I'll oh be, yeah. yeah I feel you <laughs> <laughs> and what does the rest of your day look like then um usually so if my day kind of goes um workout mm-hmm. coach class um work with Katrin and then um kind of run the business mm-hmm. whether that it usually involves for some reason I have so many for a guy that is a coach and owns a gym, I have so many meetings. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how yeah. that happens, it right? Is. Yeah. That's really interesting because I've I've been done with school for about a month now, so I've had some time off before I start residency, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have all this free time. It's gonna be so great, and I feel like I have all these yeah. meetings. Oh, There's so stuff many. here. Yeah, I usually like, have between three and four hours of meetings a day. Wow, that is a lot. That is a long time. Yeah. 
So what kind of meeting are those like with your staff with it could be um yeah so people. we have um we have uh, a meeting to help amongst what we call our leadership team for mm -hmm. the gym. Mm -hmm. Um I have a meeting for pod my own yep. podcast yep. and um that sort of social media development. Mm -hmm. I have meetings for um I'm in the works I was sharing with Catra. I'm in the works of um starting um two other businesses. Oh wow. Um so I have meetings for those ones. Mm -hmm. Um and I have um meetings with my own all my coaches mm -hmm. and then I have meetings um with it certain department heads within my business wow so those are just like the set weekly ones and then there's you know hey Things can you do a phone up. call right. can you do you know can you um meet with this person that wants a, you to try a product mm -hmm. do you so it, it, it gets <laughs> eaten up really, really fast does. and then if you try and get some body work done or you have a doctor's right. appointment like right. um so how do you filter those like when do you know to say yes this is a good meeting for me to do and such, such a good question when do i, I say don't no? know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. i i try and um it's something i don't do well enough i i i don't know the answer to that yet mm -hmm. uh, it's something i can i need to work better at i know that the meetings i have in my calendar are important ones <coughs> um i really try hard to take on as little other ones as possible mm -hmm. but i'm not good at it <laughs> We're all working on that. Yeah. Okay. And I know you make a big effort to end your day at a certain time to be home with the family. Yep. I'm very impressed. Yeah. I listened to your podcast. Your and I told yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's one of my daily things. So one of my core values is yeah. family. And uh -huh. it's actually the first and foremost of my core values yep. is family first. Um, and one of the kind of prerequisites I put before myself to make sure that I'm living that daily discipline mm -hmm. is being home by um, six o'clock every day except mm -hmm. for one day a week I have to be home by 5 o'clock so that means okay. leaving the gym at 5.30 every day but one day I have to leave the gym by um, 4.30 okay. or earlier wow and then it's just and then once I get then once family, I get home yeah. I, I try really hard mm -hmm. and nobody's perfect but I try really really hard um, to not look at my phone I try not to really bring my computer home or do anything like that mm -hmm. but I really I've been um, this is something I have gotten better at mm -hmm. um it's something I struggled with for a long time. I've gotten better, 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 and better. And I made a hard measurable. Mm -hmm. I will not look at my phone at all until the kids are in bed and I'm mm, in bed. That's and great. It's one of the things like I shouldn't be doing it when I'm in bed. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really if I don't, then I, I never answer text messages. I never <laughs> look at anything. Mm -hmm. So I need some time to do that. So I spend probably 25 minutes once I go into bed. And that's when Heather does her journaling. Yep. So she's doing her journaling. That's when I kind of allow myself to time. zone out and do Instagram and response mm -hmm. to some text messages. Cool. Um, you guys talk a lot about discipline and obviously that's a big part of, I can clearly see in both, both of your lives. And I've, one other thing I've noticed too from social media is even like you guys going out to eat the whole Bergeron family and Catherine always has her like Tupperware. separate oh, Tupperware, Tupperware city, yep. which is amazing. <laughs> and yep. like, like you said, of course, if you're going out to eat with your coach, like, Maybe if you're going out to eat with your friends and your coach isn't there, it's easy to be like, oh, sure, I'll have some of that or this, whatever. But you're always in that environment, so it makes it easier. She, but it's not, she doesn't do that because I'm there. No, she would do it anyway. Really cool story is at the athlete's dinner for last year's games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the athlete dinner, they everyone bring out to a really nice restaurant. They provide everybody with their food and mm -hmm. everyone's, you know, getting whatever. And Katrin pulls out of her backpack her Tupperware. Yeah. And she eats her weighed and measured food. Because it's part of 
the daily process, part yeah. of the daily discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone was kind of like, la- like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you, you, I lost right. a little. yeah, people laugh yeah. at her and stuff it's like that. Like, it's it's like, okay. Hey, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> like this. And so it is. It's, uh, it's Next a, year, everyone's yeah. going to be doing that. It's so. a very disciplined life. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you balance that? Do you have things that you do to help that you just enjoy doing that you, where you let yourself just kind of relax or um, do you have areas where you're not as disciplined? Um, I don't I th- think I do. I mean, I'm not to steal that, but yeah. I really, I thrive on the discipline. Mm-hmm. I've, I've let air time periods of my life mm-hmm. fall away from that. And I'm not as happy. Mm-hmm. I'm way, you know, I, I know that I am more of like a, um, like a guard dog. Mm-hmm. Like I want the discipline. Yep. I want the structure. Mm-hmm. I want that. I'm the least productive when I'm the, have the least to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being disciplined when I I've shared this with Catherine before, but before I was a coach, before anything, I would put challenges before myself. Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was, um, probably about seven years old. I said, I'm not going to have candy or chocolate or anything for Lent, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of started it. And, um, one of my dad's buddies was like, you can't do that. You're too <laughs> young. Like there's no way you're going to be able to do that. I'll give you 50 <laughs> bucks if you can do it. Yeah. And I did it and he gave me 50 bucks and 50 bucks. Then I was like, Oh my God, yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's. that's so funny. I've, I, um, you know, for a time period from when I was, uh, 24 to th- 36, mm-hmm. um, I didn't, that's t- 12 years. I didn't have a dessert, a cookie, a piece of bread, wow. a soda, um, or anything like that at all because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that kind of like, um, challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's kind of, I think that there's been some rub off on, on mm-hmm. that. I 100% agree. And we had that conversation the other day. It's, it's like the time period after the games when you're not focused and you, yeah. you don't have that kind of, um, that like pressure on you to be disciplined mm-hmm. and, and to do everything right. Mm-hmm. Not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Now, now having said that, I go on vacation with my families mm-hmm. and I, you know, um, I will have pizza, you mm-hmm. know, every now and then and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's not like I'm, I'm always 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you guys make sure that you say – it's obviously easy for people to do that when they're at home and they're in their routine, but how do you transfer that when you're traveling or you're in situations yeah, like this? Yeah, I mean, I'm not – I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm a saint or I'm 100% <laughs> disciplined. Uh, you know, that was a 12-year period of my life. Right. Now that I have a family, it's a different environment. Right. But I've set parameters for myself, mm-hmm. and those are no longer part of the parameters. But those parameters that I do have, mm-hmm. I try really hardly to adhere to what I'm saying now is my new structure. Got it. And I don't deviate from that new structure. Mm-hmm. But that new structure does not include, you know, never having pizza right. for, mm-hmm. right. you know, again. Um, right. I, I've created a, a better environment that will thrive um, in my, my new mm-hmm. life as a dad. <laughs> what about you, Catherine? Do you have... Um, I mean... Like we say, like we were talking about the, like about the balance Mm -hmm. and there's a time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a time and place to go out with your friends and Mm -hmm. to just go have your nails done or to just go to the movies. Mm -hmm. It's not five days a week. It's not, um, it's not every day, Mm -hmm. but it's so important too. And it's Mm -hmm. so important to stay happy and to stay connected with all of your friends, Mm -hmm. um, and your family and all of that. And I, I probably spend most nights. I'll come over for dinner, with, mm-hmm. and and we'll sit at the Virgin Islands, or we'll just have mm-hmm. have dinner. And I probably go every week or every other week and just get my nails done with mm-hmm. um 
with any of my friends or if my mom comes over, we, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in Iceland, I, I just love going out for coffee with my friends or just, we always just say like, we go walk downtown and we go, um, we go show ourselves and see others, you know, <laughs> you're not doing anything, just, you know, just spending time. So yeah. I think all of those things are so important too. Mm-hmm. And that might, you know, that's kind of like the balance. You just got to know when, when the time is for mm-hmm. it, you know, I there's a, a right time. I think a big part of that is realizing what makes you happy. Yeah. And people think certain things will make them happy, but they don't. Certain people think that if they eat a piece of cake, they're going to be happy, mm-hmm. but that doesn't. So it's people like are like, have this image yeah. like that. If you don't do that, how could you be happy? How could you be happy if you don't have dessert? Mm-hmm. How could you be happy if you're living such a disciplined life? Mm-hmm. Well, living an undisciplined life and even cheating corners or doing that doesn't necessarily <laughs> make someone happy. It may. And if it does, mm-hmm. That's where you should live. But right. I think when you define for yourself what is inside your own circle of happiness, mm-hmm. committing yourself to that is that. So Katrin lives as disciplined life as anyone I've ever met ever. Mm-hmm. She also smiles and laughs more than anyone I've ever met in my life ever. So it's like I, we say all the time that – all the time recently since we saw it. Katrin, my wife Heather, uh-huh. and my daughter Maya are, are like trolls. Have you seen, Have the, you movie seen trolls? the movie? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, oh my god! There's yeah. these little creatures that are the happiest creatures They're on the planet. So they just happy. smile and they they hug, <laughs> they laugh, and they dance. That's so because she doesn't eat junk, and because she has a daily routine that she doesn't yeah. deviate from, and because she does mindfulness practice, because she's as regimented to the daily grit and the grind mm-hmm. doesn't mean she can't be happy. Mm-hmm. That's what makes her happy. And I know that the days that she's pulled away from that yeah. because she's allowing herself the freedom because mm-hmm. that's those are the days that she's really the least Who's happy. happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just a different thing that society tells us happiness is going to come so from true. one thing. And it's not necessarily the case. So true. And it's always, it seems that it's usually that instant gratification where it's like, you think you're happy for a moment and then you just feel terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> it's true long-term happiness yeah. comes from short-term pain for long-term gain. Yeah. So if you're willing to say no to certain things now mm-hmm. and have the willpower to do that in the long run, mm-hmm. that pays off. Now what unhappiness is, is the opposite. It's giving in to short-term pleasures for long-term dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. That plate of cookies looks really good. I'm going to have some. And you do that again and again and again. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, you end up with diabetes yeah. and you're unhappy. In the short run, it's I'm going to say no to that today. I know I'm, I'd be happier in the moment if I ate that. But in the long run, I'll be happier because of it. Mm-hmm. it it make me a lot happier in the moment to hit the snooze alarm at 4.45 in the morning. But I know in the long run, we are nothing more than the accumulation of our habits. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'd listen to that daily discipline, I'd make that short-term sacrifice. In the long run, I know it's going to lead to the life that I want to live. Awesome. Bringing it back to that, you said you read some Stoicism in the morning. Are there certain books that you Yeah, uh, really um, like? I got into it recently, probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of like more modern-day Stoicism, you want to okay. call it, like Stephen Covey, yes. um, you know, that type of philosophy, okay. whether even like Dale Carnegie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the book, The Obstacle is the Way, mm-hmm. um, is phenomenal. Um, and that kind of, it's it references a lot of Stoicism. It's not about Stoicism. Mm-hmm. But the same author wrote the book, The Daily Stoic. Okay. Which The Daily Stoic, for somebody that um, is not um, very adept at pulling out the messages from it, mm-hmm. they do it for you. They'll give you a short little passage. So every day, it's a short little passage mm-hmm. from Marcus Aurelius or Seneca or Epictetus mm-hmm. or one of the other philosophers, and they'll dissect it for you. 
here's how I apply this to your everyday life. Okay. So you get like the real message and then how it applies to life in the 21st century. Got it. And it's a phenomenal introduction. Since then, I've, I have gotten, um, you know, Marcus Aurelius' book and mm-hmm. Seneca's book and stuff, but I'm not really that smart. <laughs> <laughs> we need the Cliff Notes version. It's, yeah. Cli- yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. It's the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. It's exactly That's what it is. That's, That's our generation. Now it's like Spark, it's not even Spark Notes. Yeah, what it's is like, it? It's something else. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. Some app or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I just want to bring it back to the coach athlete relationship and kind of how you talked about you guys have grown together. It's kind of this really synergistic relationship that you've both had great success from. And I think obviously it's very beneficial in sport and with athletes, but something that in anything that you're doing in life, whether it's a mentor that you have at work or, any other relationship, I think there's a lot of synergy that can happen that we can only be as good as we can be on our, on our own. But if we have someone else there to help us along, we're going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. So for people listening, is there any advice? Obviously you couldn't have predicted the events that ended up bringing you to where you are today, but if, is there any advice in how to nurture those relationships or how to be a good athlete or mentee and or coach or mentor? Mm. It's, quite, it's a question. tough one because yeah. you don't, no, really you can't, is. you couldn't yeah. have really plan this right five years ago. You didn't think, know how it was going to work out. I, I think this might be like, um, I hope this isn't a cop out answer, but I would surround yourself with people that make you better. Mm-hmm. That's really the baseline level of that. And I think that, you know, the group of friends that I have now is very different than the group of friends I had 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Cause I had different values and goals and morals. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's one of those things that, if I surround myself with the people that challenge me and um, pull me in the right direction, mm-hmm. I feel like every day is going to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's because you can't define it. You can't say this is the person that I'm going to be a mentor with and this is how we're going to grow together. You can't force it, yeah. You know, we had no idea, but I knew I enjoyed being around Katrin and mm-hmm. vice versa. And together, if that's the case, and, you know, she's – I'm learning so much from being around her. Mm-hmm. And if she feels the same, then that, that relationship is mutual. Mm-hmm. Even more so, I think, than like a mentor-apprentice um, role. Yeah. Because there's not as much benefit going one direction as the other. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a good friend that I meet with you know, um, weekly for lunch, and mm-hmm. we talk about stuff like this. We mm-hmm. talk about, you know... Um, you know, family, we talk about values, we talk about growth, we talk about, um, you know, where we're placing our time, what is balance, how mm-hmm. much, to, you know, and we and we challenge and make each other better and we hold each other accountable in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And that's a, for me, that's an awesome person mm-hmm. to be around. Yeah. You know, my wife is another one of those people that I don't think you have to figure out, like, are you going to get me to where I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Katrin started this like, are you going to help me win the CrossFit Games? And likewise, I didn't look at her and be like, are you <laughs> going to go win the CrossFit Games and make me a better coach? Yeah. It wasn't about that. It was, do I enjoy this? Mm-hmm. And are you going to, are, are we are we both benefiting from this relationship and making each other better? Mm-hmm. And that Again, certainly yeah. defines our relationship. Again, about the process, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It's just every day. Yeah, forget day. about the goal yeah. and just are dedicate yourself. Are we happy? Yourself. Do we do a good thing every single day? It's yep. like. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. 
I know we've been talking for a while, but I have three more questions. Once I ask everyone, <laughs> and the first one is the three things, top three things you do on a daily basis. I know you guys do more than three that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Uh, health? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. Do you want to go first? Um, do you have three things already? Uh, I'll, I'll, I can go, but it'll be ums and uh. <laughs> <you go>. Um. <laughs> I would say the first one is um, my daily tracking. Mm -hmm. Um, I've set up my life to where I know what's really important in my life Mm -hmm. and I know um, the steps necessary to get there. And I track that and score myself on a daily and weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's for like my mental health. Okay. Um, The next one is um, I work out every day. Um, I take Sundays off. Mm -hmm. But to me, I do that really early in the morning before there can be any distractions. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of that like you own that time. Like mm-hmm. Jocko is a people have probably heard of Jocko. Yeah. He calls it 4:30. At 4:30 a.m., no one's going to distract you. Mm-hmm. At 4:30 p.m., good Who luck. Knows? Yeah. Like, good <laughs> luck. Like they're going to have a lot of resistance trying to do what you want to do. Yeah. But at 4:30 a.m., nobody else is bugging you. Yeah. So I would say it's uh, kind of the mental health, um, and then it's that uh, the working out doing CrossFit. I yep. believe in the methodology that. Coach Glassman set for us mm-hmm. in terms of longevity and GPP, um, and then the the third one, I would say this probably is a weird one for um, a health answer, um, but it's um, trying to have really good relationships. I think it's trying to have uh, um, you know perspective on what's really important mm-hmm. and. I don't know if you've heard this. Which it does actually have a really big impact on health. I was going to say, have you heard yeah. the study put on by Harvard University that they studied people that live the longest and are void mm-hmm. of disease? And they studied them for everything. It's a 70-year study. And they mm-hmm. studied for everything for, you know, what climates they live in to the foods they eat to the stress levels to the mm-hmm. jobs. And what they found is the people that live the longest and have the least amount of disease mm-hmm. are the people and the, they also happen to be the happiest yeah. are the people with the strongest relationships. So true. So, so true. I don't have a lot of relationships in my life. I don't have, you know, that sounds funny for a guy that owns a gym with 400 people. <laughs> but there's a lot of people I know and a lot of people I, I, um, I coach and I do that. Mm-hmm. But like real relationships, I mean, I only have a, you know, count them on one hand mm-hmm. of people that I'm really, really close mm-hmm. with in my life. But those people I try to have really strong relationships strong with. relationships. I love it. Did you think of three yet? I did. And they're like basically the same, but like in my version of things. I was gonna <laughs> say, it's like, it's my morning routine. Yeah. I love a good morning. Yeah. Just like, that's just going to set the tone for the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so just like what I like my morning, I love that I need to be able to sit down. I need to be unrushed. You know, it helps if I have flowers on the table and sun shining, <laughs> all that. Um, <laughs> that's how I like imagine my great mornings. Um, and then it's, it's gym time. Like mm-hmm. I, love being in the gym it's working out it's getting to work with ben mm-hmm. it's you know the high-fiving we got better today mm-hmm. um and then it's staying connected with you know my people and that's like what i say like the closest people in my life whether that is going over and having dinner with the bergerons or if it's being able to have called my mom that day or talking to my grandpa or my dad you mm-hmm. know um any of those things yeah awesome one thing that you're working on or that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you are struggling or working on putting it into your life. More sleep. 
sleep. How yeah. much sleep do you get usually? I try to I track seven hours. <laughs> okay. And it's one of the ones I I do the worst on of my tracker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at it. <laughs> when you get up at four thirty in the morning, I, it means that you, you have, have to go, go to bed early. I have to go to bed at nine eight nine thirty. Yeah. Which is hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. You know, I have kids and I don't get to see them for that much. Mm-hmm. And by the time they go to bed and then you do you know a little your nightly routine, yeah. it's that's it's definitely, and I, but I know how important it is. Mm-hmm. I know it mo- oh makes gosh, such so a difference for mm-hmm. me. If I could get, so I'm really more like a six and a half hour guy. Mm-hmm. If I could be a seven and a half or an eight and a half. Mm. <laughs> be a whole different person. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Catherine? Um, I'd probably say staying more in the here and now and not spreading myself thin. Um... I love what I get to do. I love all the opportunities that I have. I mm-hmm. love my day-to-day basis, and I just want to make sure that I'm always loving that and always staying, enjoying what I'm doing, not stressing about what I should be doing, not stressing about um, not stressing about pleasing other people as long as I know that I'm doing the right things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's been a bit hard. So just like, and that can take away from the moment that you're actually in. It can mm-hmm. take away that day. It can take away that training or, or something like that. So it's more, I don't even know how to explain it, but just being in the here and now, knowing that you're doing the right thing and, and, and trying to do the right thing all the mm-hmm. time, you know, with those things that are most right. important to you. Very challenging, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Made no sense. <laughs> uh, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? Happy life. Um living a life true to your core values. I love it. And what are your core values? I don't know if I remember them, but I listened to your podcast about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my personal mission statement is to mm-hmm. love, live, lead, and leave a legacy okay. and learn. So all those L's. Oh, um, and then it. inside the core values is um, my family, my health, um, excellence, um, and enjoying the ride. So fun. I love it. Very cool. Good note to end on. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. And it was so good to talk with you. Thanks, Thanks Julie. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and learned as much from Katrin and Ben as I did. Their discipline and dedication to excellence is truly inspiring. And I think they shed some great light on how to cultivate synergistic relationships like this in our own lives. Have you ever been in a great coaching or mentoring relationship? Let me know what made it so great in the comments below this episode on my website, juliefouché.com. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health.